Hello, welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. We are very passionate about two things, technology and our world. In each pod, we will be interviewing some fascinating people, business leaders, but those with a special interest in solving the biggest issues facing humanity today. Think the environment. Think healthcare provision during a pandemic. Think global social injustice. If you want to know more about technology's immense potential to fix and transform, then you're in the right place. In this episode, I speak to Mary Jessie. Mary has served as a technology executive, innovator and leader for more than three decades. She has committed huge energy to improving gender diversity in the tech industry and has blazed a trail for women in tech, not least in her current role as CEO of MTI. In the interview, Mary discusses MTI's initiatives in this area, how she broke down barriers early in her career, and why diversity is good business. But first, I ask Mary for her own definition of tech for good. Yeah, so tech for good is really important to me. And I've kind of had a little soapbox, as it were, for decades, actually. And um, the the way I view this is that the world's greatest problem is income inequality, right? It's that the playing field isn't level and all people don't have you know, just a basic quality of life, right? Uh, and that that's needed and that it's good for everybody, right? I, I use the hashtag lift all ships in much of my personal, you know, even professional social media, because I believe that that's kind of the a fundamental place to start. And uh, in technology, uh, what really, you know, kind of got me uh, started on this was seeing uh, consumer electronics companies in in the 90s cater to you know people that had a lot of money and design their products in such a way that um you know you had to replace things every year every six months kind of doing the opposite of what really would help in my view society and uh, as a technologist as you know the internet was born and mobile you know uh, phones wireless uh, proliferated and networking and computing it became very clear that and and still to this day that knowledge of and power of technology has created a greater divide right there's a lot of wealth and and power and a lot of people left behind and so i feel today i i felt strongly then and have maintained this that technologists have a moral obligation to use technology for good. You said you noticed this problem, you know, 20, 25 years ago, the, the, or the power, should I say, of technology to maybe help solve inequality. Uh, but you also said, you know, the problem still very much exists today. What, what difference of focus have you seen in the last 18 months during the pandemic as, as technology companies and technology is being used to do amazing things like develop vaccines in record-breaking time? like has that given you more hope do you think that what's what's been how the technology world has kind of come together in the last 18 months yeah absolutely i think the whole world has been kind of awakened by the pandemic to the to the fact that we're really vulnerable you know 
our our whole world is pretty fragile and everything that we count on every day can just kind of go away in an instant and um you know it's caused a lot of people to step back and rethink and that includes leaders of technology companies and governments and individuals and so yeah i do think there's more of a a willingness and a desire to kind of put people and other people first now than there was before um, I'm hoping that, you know, if things go back to normal, we don't lose that because it, it's so wonderful. I don't think we will lose it. Honestly, I think that people are truly changed. You know, in, in terms of technology and the problems that we had, you know, or opportunities, shall we say, that we had, you know, 20, 30 years ago versus now and, and how that's been accelerated in the last 18 months. Uh, I'll give you a really good example. So, there's a, there's a lot available uh, that can make your life better over wireless, over mobile, right? Now you can have banking and you can have healthcare and you can have education. And, and these are fundamental things that you want everybody to be able to have access to. And, you know, there's a lot of rural areas still, even in the United States, there are a lot of people that don't have uh, access either to wired broadband or to wireless or to decent, you know, cell coverage. And now the, the speeds have gotten up to the point where you, you can't actually use the phone as the platform for these things, right? Uh, for education and healthcare and, and uh, you know, banking and so forth. And so uh, because everybody had to go remote in their workplace, and it really exposed and, and also they had to go remote for education, right? They couldn't be physically in classrooms. So all of these children needed you know, connections to the internet, it really exposed this gap much more, right? Like some schools could easily deliver education because their kids had, you know, internet connections and they all had laptops at home. And many others not only didn't have laptops, but they couldn't even connect to the internet. So that was a really good eye opener for a lot of people. And there were a number of programs that were already in place. There have been for decades, right? To try and, you know, get a better first, uh, landline and, and then wireless and mobile and satellite and all kinds of uh, solutions to solve this connectivity problem for underserved populations and rural populations. But you saw a great acceleration of that and a lot of a lot more funding um, put into uh, an effort to really um, expand uh, this infrastructure as a result of the pandemic. Okay, Mary, we're going to move on in a minute to talk about your passion for, for bringing women into, into tech and into leadership positions and talk about women in business, which I know is a topic you're very passionate about. But first of all, talk about a bit about your current role and, and the company you work for, MTI. So I am the CEO of MTI, uh, also known as Mobile Technologies or Mobile Tech. Uh, this company has been around since 1977 headquartered in Hillsborough, Oregon, just outside of Portland. And we have offices all over the world. We have, you know, about 800 employees. And um, we do business with, you know, the, the largest uh, mobile phone companies, uh, electronics manufacturers, the largest retailers, and mobile operators, right? So all of these players that that really um, deal with tech every day. And it's a fantastic company. I took this role uh, and was really asked to come in 
just before the pandemic kind of hit Oregon, before Oregon was shut down at the end of February to really transform the company. Uh, people, processes, technology, a big emphasis on technology and digital transformation. And, you know, part of the reason that this role was attractive to me was that it had all this complexity and it hit on a number of areas. I have a really diverse background and a kind of unique background. And this role kind of needed all of what I could bring to bear on it. And, um, but the really, you know, the thing that was very, very motivating for me was that the very first line on the job description, it was a bit, you know, very long job description, but the very first line was, you know, uh, we need somebody to come in and really uh, reinvent and look at the culture of the company and make sure that, that we're doing the right things there. What should the, Mary, what should the culture of a modern technology company on the West Coast of America be in, the, in uh, <laughs> right now? Like that's a very broad question, I know. <laughs> Yeah, well, with with MTI, um, and for me personally, so I can't promote a culture that isn't consistent with my own personal cult, you know, brand, uh, which is you know consistent with my belief system. So, um, I mean, people do, but you know, it, it's not authentic. So, transparency, integrity, very important. That's kind of the very first thing, right? And we need, you know, we had a little work to do. Uh, mostly, uh, everybody was so excited about that, but uh, you know, a few, a few people aren't at the company anymore, and and they probably didn't hold that as highly as I required it to be, to be held. And so people are pretty darn excited that we've got kind of this base DNA that's just, you know, transparent and uh, with high integrity. And then the second part of it is to serve, right? You serve your customers clearly. Like the focus on the customer is so important, every aspect. Hello, I'm Daniel Brigham, editor of Tech for Good magazine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And if you want more, you can head over to techforgood.net for some compelling and thought-provoking stories. From high-tech insect farms that could solve world hunger to a global mission to counter the spread of COVID-19 disinformation, we've got Tech for Good covered. You can read and subscribe at techforgood.net. Great stuff, Mary. And how has the job and the company allowed you to, to do right, as you said, around the topic of gender diversity and promoting women in, in technology? Can you talk a bit about, about that topic? Yeah, absolutely. I was very, <laughs> I was very open with uh, the the board and um, you know the company that if you're hiring me as your CEO, you're going to get a strong uh, advocate for women and for diversity. I mean, so if that's not what you want, don't bring me in because that's part of the package, right? And it's something that uh, you know I've done with increasing uh, influence, I think, you know, as you go up in your career, you have you have the ability to influence this more, but uh, it really started in, um, you know, in college, right? I, I studied electrical engineering and, um, you know, this was in the, the 80s and it was extremely competitive even back then, but there were not very many women. And, uh, 
it was clear that there was going to be kind of a, I, I would have to always sort of fight a little bit and justify and, you know, maybe even do a little bit better. I mean, it started even in college and I, I've how, been, did, how, did, how did you feel that? Like what, what were the events or moments that made you kind of made that feeling quite acute? Would you say? Oh, I actually, you know, I had great grades, right? I was clearly going to make the cut to get into the program, which they didn't do until your third year. So it was pretty painful to go two years of study and then uh, not get in. But I, you know, I knew I was in, right? And uh, a professor had pulled me into his office and said, you know, you really need to give up your spot for one of these guys because they're married and they have children and they have, they need this spot more than you do. And I think that was the spark that started the fire that never died down. That moment was just so ingrained in my brain for, you know, for somebody to actually think that, you know, I should give up, you know, a spot that I had earned and worked for and that I was a better candidate for, right, by their criteria. <clears throat> so I never forgot that. And there were many other moments, uh, you know, there's there, there's a lot of things that you, you know, observe and go through and and uh, there's a lot of subtle, you know, unconscious bias that you, you come across. But that was one of the most explicit moments that, you know, and it was very early. Right. And so, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it was pretty clear that I was going to have to fight for for this for my spot. And uh, some people yeah. wouldn't think that I should be on this journey, but that's okay. It, it's extraordinary to listen to Mary. What do you think? Cause obviously you went on to have an, and they're still having an, an, an amazing career. And as you said, almost a unique kind of career as well. Um, what do you think, especially in those early stages, say in the first sort of five, 10 years of your career after academia, what was it that sort of, what was it within you that, that allowed you to sort of break down those barriers and, and forge that career? Oh, you know, I, I think part of it's just DNA, right? I mean, I uh, was born an entrepreneur. I was born, you know, just ambitious and with a lot of energy and drive to just uh, seek out, uh, you know, challenges and to learn and to, you know, I had started by saying I was ignited to be, uh, for myself, to be kind of this proponent of women in technology right I, I needed to do that just for my own career but as you uh advance in your career you are able to then uh be mentor and and um you know help other both women and you know people that might not otherwise have an opportunity and so you have to you have to consciously do that and and i have consciously done that throughout my career uh, I just feel strongly that early on it was, I felt strongly it was the right thing to do and I wanted to help people. Um, and, you know, later uh, what I realized is that, oh, wait a minute, it's not just the right thing to do. It's actually good business, right? Women, wow. You know, I had a number of women work for me and that I dealt with, you know, either as a customer or, you know, as a supplier. And I realized, geez, these guys, are, you know, there's something special here. Right. And so I really started, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I kind of pivoted my evangelism to be it's not just the right thing to do. Right. It's actually good business. 
now, you know, there's an amazing amount of research and it grows every day that actually shows this to be the case, you know, uh, scientifically and, and in a data driven way. Right. So women make great leaders. You know, if, if you have uh, more diversity on your board, that correlates to better profitability and, and a higher stock price. Right. And so it's not just the the right thing to do. It's also it's also good business and it's not just good business. It's an important part of the economy for any you know region. Right. So I think the reason you're seeing these laws is not, oh, we're trying to, you know, make up for sins of the past. It's no, you know, we're in a competitive global fight and we better put every good player we have in the game. And so, uh, you know, number one, I promoted our executive team looks pretty different now. We, we have three women that are at the VP level that we're not. You know, so that's that's four of us then in the, you know, in the executive ranks that. Uh, balances out gender diversity in the company. We've, we, we have uh, somebody that is of a, a different race, you know, right in our, in our ranks, which is awesome. And I have a great partner uh, that we've hired as an HR leader and we're completely aligned. And so he, he helps me as we're, uh, you know, make sure that in our interview process that we're really fair and, not that we're promoting the diverse candidate, but that we're making sure they are not unfairly judged, right? And then the other part of what we've done at the company is tap in to the power and the energy and the creativity of all of the people within the company, diverse or not, right? And, and that's just, that's a different leadership style. That's, you know, empowering people, supporting people, um, making sure that they have the ability to really thrive and to really impact the business. There's some really just pretty pervasive and kind of common threads that you find when you, um, you know, when you mentor and try to support women in business and women in technology. And so I formed a group called Women of MTI, and we had, you know, as many of the women uh, particularly the, the women leaders or people that could that could influence other people within the company key roles um, and i uh, brought on hired an outside a firm to craft a program specifically for mti for the women of mti someone that you know uh, does leadership coaching for women right and it's been phenomenal it's a combination of you know networking and training and role playing and it's a safe place to kind of uh figure out and and move beyond uh, some of these issues and really just be made aware of them right so it's been so so fun to watch the women of mti go through this journey and to just really uh, I mean, they're moving the needle for us, right? We've got, we've got all the great players in the game and it's making a big difference. Do you want to keep up to date with the latest in enterprise, technology and digital transformation? Visit digitalbulletin.com for news, long reads, thought leadership and so much more. That's digitalbulletin.com. Consider 
the world you know at the beginning when you're an, an electrical engineer graduate coming into it and that extraordinary story you told us about about the discrimination you faced ultimately and the spark that um that caused in you compared to the world today where you're able to make such a difference and you're seeing women have such a a a really strong role to play in in your company especially how, how different are those two worlds and how much further do we have to go mm, i wish they were more different um you know, I wish we had made more progress, not just with women, but with, you know, um, underserved populations, which, which you know, racial diversity, uh, age diversity, uh, you know, socioeconomic uh, diversity, like, like, we have a long ways to go in a lot of areas. Um, and even if you look at just women, right? Yeah, we've made a lot of progress and that is awesome and you know there's armies of women out there that are fighting this fight every day really pushing forward and there's a lot of men too that are that are you know uh in this uh in this battle to try and uh, level the playing field right but there's still big gaps i mean it's it always amazes me when i come across companies that you know you look up on the website and there's no diversity and and indeed you know they behave that way right so um you know funding for women-led companies there's just such a huge gap right and and uh women on boards were making progress but you know there's still a big gap even with legislation that is you know trying to to move the needle i'm very much hoping that you know, this whole work from home and, you know, situation where many women have dropped out of the workforce that people will come up with, you know, even faster and even better, they'll come up with solutions because they already dealt with it, you know, one time. And we have more technology to bring to bear, you know, on these issues. And people are generally very, you know, they're very aware, like the pandemic was kind of a great <laughs> equalizer, right? So I'm very optimistic. I'm very hopeful. I, I'm an apologetic optimist. <laughs> And on a final point, really looking ahead, you know, you've said there the challenges st still exist, you know, they're still very real when it comes to, to gender diversity. How important for business leaders today is should this topic be kind of now and, and going forward when you consider as well that, the, you know, the sustainability and there's, um, you know, obviously standard business kind of profit and loss and all those kind of um, imperatives as well. And then, you know, in terms of business priorities, this should be right up there, shouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's some really uh, fundamental changes happening. And, and I, you know, you haven't heard as much about them during the pandemic, but before the pandemic, you were really starting to see this, this major shift, which is, um, you know, if you aren't embracing diversity, you are going to not only just not benefit from those players, but, you know, you might not get a chance to compete, right? So we had you know, companies uh, on Wall Street, for instance, saying, we're not going to invest our funds in your company if you can't demonstrate diversity, right? Uh, companies being measured by how diverse uh, they are. And that's, I think, a lot more powerful, in fact, than a government, you know, mandating by law, right? Because what you really have to hit is you have to hit the economics, right? Because that's what businesses are doing. They're just optimizing their economics. So if now they're getting, 
you know, um, some kind of a disadvantage, uh, they're missing out because they don't have diversity. They work very hard to put that in place. So we're seeing that, that part of it. Every, you know, we've had diversity programs in place for a long time, you know, supplier diversity and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it felt before, you know, like companies were just going through the motions, like they would do it, but they didn't really believe it. You know, they didn't really, you know, it was a good thing to do is great thing to have on their website. It was nice. Yeah, you helped some people, but it, it, they weren't doing it because it made the business more profitable. Now, there's this true sense of urgency. There's the feeling that, yeah, we, you know, they've taken those programs, they've dusted them off. And now they're very, very serious about, you know, supplier diversity and diversity in the supply chain, um, diversity um, in their ranks, in their company, and they're being measured on it. Public companies are measured on this. And uh, so I, you know, that's what's going to really kind of move things because then the results of that will be that those companies are more successful. We know that from the data. So I think there'll be this natural shift where, you know, if you don't do that, you'll be penalized and then also your business won't perform as well. And you'll start to see this, you know, compounded interest right on all these investments so i'm very much hoping to see this acceleration in the business world that we have yet to see but you know because of some of these fundamental shifts and really people taking a stand it's kind of like all this evangelism all these programs have finally gotten the point where there's enough men and women at the top ranks of these companies and there's enough data and maybe it's the data that shows you shouldn't be, you know, letting these players sit on the bench, you know, and they're looking at the economics that it really, like, I believe there's going to be a great acceleration of, um, you know, of truly embracing diversity and then getting the results from that, which will be phenomenal. And I hope it goes way beyond gender diversity, but, but that's kind of a, you know, a, a leading indicator, right? So that's pretty great. I think that that's really uh, going to be great for the world. That was the Tech for Good podcast. Listen, subscribe, and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher.